our children's ministers, Kathy Cooley is the director of the children's ministry, and then Keelian does preschool, and um, they have some helpers as well. But from the very start, they said, yes, we can do this. We can do the social distance thing with the kids, and the kids have been so good. She said, they're so obedient. I mean, why don't you do that? So what she did is she removed every table, every chair in her space, so did Kaylee, and they're using, using the carpeted floor. They each have a little heart where they sit cross-legged and watch the puppets and listen to the teaching. It's excellent. Yes, amen. So praise God, from whom all blessings flow. We're gonna sing one more song here before we one more song stand up this I believe stand as we make this confession our father everlasting all created one God Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, we will rise again. Defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in
I believe in the virgin birth I believe in the saints communion and in your holy church I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again for I believe in the name of Jesus I believe in you oh I believe you rose again I believe that Jesus few announcements here. I want to remind you of our Wednesday touch points. We're continuing to do those um, at 10 o'clock on Wednesday mornings, and you never know who might be there. One of you might. We're having people come and share testimonies, um, as well as teaching from the Word of God and then prayer together. This this Wednesday, we are going to focus especially on prayer for our country as we're in our national holiday, Independence Day holiday week. And so that's what we'll be doing. And those live streams can be seen later on Facebook. The Sunday morning ones can be seen on Facebook and on YouTube. And uh, so you can go back and, and see the past uh, sessions of those. We have a youth group event. I don't think Peter and Linnea may have back this morning from their trip, so I'll read this, and it'll probably be up on, on your screen there, too. Um, upcoming youth group event, Thursday, July 2, that's this week. We invite all youth to the firework fun party. Fireworks, I believe that is, on Thursday. We will start the fun at 7.30 and shoot fireworks off around 10 o'clock. Parents are welcome to stay if they wish. We will have evening snacks. But we do ask, due to this event taking place later, that you eat supper before you come. It will take place at Rocky and Kelly Coffin's house. And we will be done around 10.15 or 10.30-ish. 
for information on the address, directions, visit the TCC Youth Group page, Facebook page or text, <coughs> text Linnea 218-368-2771. We are excited to celebrate this together. And then Tim, my brother, sent me a, this note this morning. There's a night of hope and peace. And two nights this week, on Friday and Saturday, the 3rd and 4th, at 6 o'clock at the Herberger's parking lot. And so that's coming up this week also. Um, and then also, in the there is a sheet on the Welcome Center table. It looks like this. If you would take the time to fill that out, it's a... Um, Someone from the community asked if we could do this. Uh, it's a survey about the Bemidji food shelf and just getting input on that. So that's on the back welcome table there. It's, yeah, it's North Home, Kellier, and Bemidji, I guess. So next Sunday, we also are going to be focusing on prayer here in our service. So we will be having a major focus toward our nation next Sunday as it'll be July 5. Um, I just saw a thing where Vice President Pence, he says, I just encourage, this was a couple days ago, he said, I encourage every American to continue to pray, and this was in regard to the corona pandemic virus. Um, pray for all the families that have lost loved ones. Pray for our healthcare workers on the front lines pray that by God's grace, every single day will each of us do our part to heal our land. So those are our announcements. And then I have something I'm going to read this morning for our blessed life moment. This was written by Pastor Sid Litke, Litke and he pastors over in Wisconsin. Uh, he titled it the, the Stewardship Taboo. taboo. Um, two men were marooned on a tiny island. One man paced back and forth, worried and dreadfully frightened, while the other man sat back whistling and sunning himself. The first man said, Aren't you afraid we're going to die here? Nope, said the second man. Well, how can you be so sure? The first man asked. Well, you see, I make $100,000 a month and I tithe faithfully to my church. My pastor will find me. My pastor will find me. So this humorous story identifies one of the key reasons why many pastors and churches avoid saying much, very much about financial giving. There is a perception and a reality in many cases that pastors are motivated to preach on giving only because of their own selfish concern about the budget or the building program. For many years as a pastor myself, I ventured into the area of financial stewardship and especially giving quite rarely. As I would preach expo, expo, exp, Expositionally, I, that's what it said, expositionally, as I would preach expositionally through a book of the Bible, 
I want to avoid the subject of giving, but I hesitated to approach the subject extensively as a topic. Lest I appear to be focused too much on the bottom line of the church rather than spiritual discipleship. I assumed, and it was partly true, that if people are growing spiritually, they will learn to give. However, there is no other area of spiritual growth where we make the assumption that believers will grow without reminder and exhortation. I have come to realize that we are not mature disciples of Jesus if we have not embraced the reality that financially and materially we are stewards instead of owners. If churches and pastors have communicated somehow that stewardship messages are primarily about fundraising, then they are responsible to change that attitude. Stewardship is not fundraising. It's basic Christian discipleship. But in similar sense, each believer must come to understand that giving is not just about doing their duty. Giving is actually a deep personal indicator of our spiritual maturity as well as our love for God. If we understand Jesus' words that our treasure is an indicator of where our heart is at, that's in Matthew 6:21. how can churches and pastors avoid teaching on the important issue of giving? And so here is an example of what the Bible says about giving from Luke 6:38. I'll share this morning as I close. Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more, abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. And so, Lord, we just thank you that you are, as we grow in you, we're we're seeing new dimensions and new levels and new places of this thing of giving and even giving financially as we grow in you. And we thank you that we can give of our tithes and offerings. And we do this also in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Our giving, we don't have a plate to pass. We have boxes in the back where you can give. And online, you can go to our website, find a place there, or you can mail it to the Ten Strike Church, Box 67, Ten Strike, Minnesota. So we have it there. Well, I'm really happy that Dan Woodward, you can come up, Dan. He's going to be teaching us. He can probably explain to us what that word means. Dan is a teacher. Huh? Yeah, that's what I thought, but... Expositional. You know, I've never seen the L-Y on the end of that. No. No, he took poetic license. But Dan is a teacher. If you if you if you talk with Dan, you can see the teacher start coming out of him. And I'm just blessed to be able to be here. All A lot right. of times lately, when I've come to teach, I mean, when Dan has come to teach, I've been on vacation. But this time, you get to be here. So God bless well, you. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. Remember a uh, gentleman by the name of Ken Berge, we were talking about bluegrass music and their family played 
And our family played. And he said, you know, the most important thing with these songs is you got to be able to start them and you got to be able to finish them. He said, uh, everything in between kind of works out. And that's kind of the way I feel sometimes about when we're going to open the Word of God. You got to be able to get in there and you got to be able to get out. Uh, and everything else kind of takes care of itself. But Joyce had that word, taking care of business. And um, I've got a prophetic word. I don't know, it might be for many of you. But it is, watch out for people who flatter you too much. It's a trap. Okay? And if you feel that applies to you, read Proverbs, or no, uh, Proverbs 26, towards the end of the chapter, and the book of Jude, the whole book, which is one chapter, but it's right towards the end. Anyways, we'll pray. Father, we thank you that you're here with us, where two or three are gathered in, in Jesus' name. Jesus said, I'm in the midst. Lord, we ask that you would walk down the aisles, that you would minister to each heart that you would minister to each body and to each mind. We thank you for who you are, and Lord, we thank you for your anointing. Hallelujah. So, here we go. When Steve asked me, he said, would you, would you be willing to share? And I said, oh, yeah. And I got all excited because I, I wanted to talk about when the children of Israel cross the Red Sea, because I think that is just, it's so cool. And it's all over in the Bible, and it's alluded to here and there and everywhere in, in the Word of God, and it's like, oh. And I went into that for about a week, and I was digging and having fun, and it was like trying to milk a dead cow in and work. So, um, I don't even know how I came up with this particular verse, but it, it just kind of floated up, and this is where we are today. It's Matthew 13, 45 through 46. If we've got it on the projection, that's good. If not, that's okay. Um, Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Pretty straightforward parable, but actually, I found two interpretations for it. I was going to go the two interpretations of one parable, but kind of after the thing with Charles you know, Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities, but it didn't work out really in my mind. But yeah, there's two, there are two interpretations, and I believe both of them are correct. And the way I see it, it's like the Word of God is similar to a gem that's faceted. And you hold it up one way and you see purple. You hold it up another way, you might see red. And I believe this particular verse very well might be in that category. So the first interpretation and the one that I call classic or the one that I, I guess I always 
kind of grew up in grew up with was that we Jesus is the pearl. We've searched for this pearl and upon finding it we sell all that we have to possess it. The question is what do we sell? And here are a few examples from the word of, words of Jesus. He said in Matthew 6:19 through 21, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where the moth and the rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And here's the part I want you to catch. Grab onto this. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So this, this pearl is a treasure, okay? And Luke 14, 26 through 27, if any man come after me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters, I don't know why I wanted to say cisterns, but sisters. <laughs> Yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whatsoever doth, and, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. That's, you know, that, that's, that, that'd be tough uh, evangelism, going to someone's door and say, you know, you gotta pretty much hate your brother, your, your, your father, your mother, and take up your cross. And it's like, you know, this is pretty, this is pretty serious stuff. And I got thinking, actually, at 1.30 1 this morning, I remembered an example of this. I had another one here. I guess that I actually had in my own personal life that happened 44 years ago, and I don't think I ever thought of the event until last night. So the Holy Spirit will quicken these things in you, you know? And what it was is I was at Midwest Challenge on an internship. And basically, we were working with chemically dependent people. But on occasion, we'd end up with, you know, probably a, a lady of the night, a streetwalker that needed to kind of be hidden away until they could find a safe place or any number of, of things would happen, you know. And I recall that there was a... Um, there were two people that came to Midwest Challenge, and they didn't say much. It was a, I was about 20, and this guy was 20, and this gal was about 20. They weren't in a relationship. They were just, they just kind of found themselves, you know, together. And um, they didn't say much at first, but as time went on, you know, they kind of started talking a little bit, and they were both um, Jewish they were both, I, I don't know if their families were Orthodox Jews, they didn't talk a lot about that, but they came out of Jewish backgrounds. They received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and I don't know if they were baptized or not, because that's normally the big one, um, but I remember talking to, to this guy, and uh, he goes, yeah, he said, I'm dead to my parents, totally dead. They told me I died. Well, okay, that's, that's one aspect of it. But the other aspect of it was he was going to college. There went the money. Boom. 
Oh, they held the title on the car. Bang, there went the car. He can't call grandma because the family said, you're dead. And um, this gal was in kind of the same situation. And it's like, there was a modern day example. Well, 44 years is still modern, I guess. To me it is. Some of you aren't 44. (laughs) But anyways, kind of a modern day example of are you willing to lay down everything to follow Jesus? So many of us haven't faced that particular thing in our life. Um, I know when, when I got born again radically following the Lord, my relatives were actually happy because, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I was just like, I'm on my road to hell, you know. I mean, and, and there were casualties in the way. But they were happy. Friends of mine who were I don't know how you'd say it, maybe um, inclined to use drugs and stuff. They were happy for me because it was a radical change. But what was the cost to people like me? What's the cost to people like you? You know? um, I think the one, what I'm going to say is, I'm going to go back to the words of Jesus. And he said, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. So this thing of following Jesus, first it's our heart. He gets our undivided attention. He's our treasure that we have purchased by choice in all that we are and have. The core of our being has said yes to Jesus Christ. I kind of think about years ago, you know, you'd go to Bible camp or something and they'd be sitting around playing the guitar and there was this bonfire and it's, I have decided to follow Jesus. You know, it was saying with such intensity, You know, I have decided to follow Jesus. And you're just holding on, you know. That's before I was born again. You have, I have decided to follow Jesus. See, I didn't didn't go forward at one of those camp things. I kind of did it on my own after time. Because I knew there was a price inside of me. I knew there was a price. Didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew there was a price. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. You know, and then people would start sobbing and stuff. And they knew there were relationships that had to be broken. You know, got to leave the girlfriend, got to leave the boyfriend, got to do this and got to do that. The heart. Ask Jesus into your heart, your inner self. It's that decision that's all-encompassing. It's kind of the gyroscope of your, of your life and of your world inside of you. That's who I'm following. I give you my heart, Jesus. 
Again, Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your heart, for where your treasure is, your heart is also. If Jesus Christ is your treasure, you don't have to worry about your heart wandering. So, what does it mean to believe with the mind? And we're covering this stuff pretty fast because we got another little section to do. You know, we could go into a whole lot of stuff like the Carolyn Leaf stuff and, you know, all the books that have written, been written about renewing the mind. And it's all good. Really good. You need to read it. But I got thinking back. First love. You know, in Revelations, Jesus said, return to your first love. Do you remember when you met that person that you just like, oh, I'm so in love, you know? Who did you think about? That person. When you first got born again, who did you think about? Jesus. Okay, so let's take it back over to the romantic thing. What can I do to please them? Oh, you imagine you know, holding their hand and walking down the street, blah, 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 you know. They consumed your mind. You were infatuated. I used to get me so frustrated when I was in school, particularly Bible school. We kind of had this Saturday afternoon deal where we played basketball. And sure enough, we had teams all kind of set up, and it was really even, and it was a lot of fun. Someone would fall in love, you know, boom. And they were absolutely, if they came, they were worthless, and, if, and a lot of times they didn't show up, you know, until they fell out of love, you know. And Jesus wants you to be in love with him, because he loves you, so... You know, just be in love with him. Think about him. Choose his word over your own thoughts. When fear comes, say, hey, I'm going to trust God. When bitterness comes, say, I'm choosing forgiveness because, Lord, I know that makes you happy. Choose love over hate. Oh, I can't stand that person. No, you love him. So, we choose Jesus over self, the world, and the devil. And with our strength, we use our bodies as tools for the kingdom of God. Feeding the poor, helping those in need, preaching the gospel. Um, then I found this really cool scripture that I didn't have time to... Well, they're not projecting anyway, so that's good. Um, I found it in Acts... I believe it's Acts 16, verse 14. And it talks about Lydia. Okay. So Lydia was searching for truth. She was a Gentile who converted to Judaism. And they were studying the word. A bunch of women, and Paul came up and he talked to them. And it said that her heart was open to God. Okay? So I could see a little bit of this 
this whole scenario kind of taking place. It's like she, she was searching for the pearl of great price. By the way, Lydia was extremely wealthy. She was a, she was a merchant. She, uh, she had exquisite purple linen. And, um, you know, she, was, she definitely was a, a force to be reckoned with in that day. But she searched, she found the truth, and then she put all of her strength, everything she had, into the gospel. She said to Paul, she said, if you need a place to stay, you're welcome. Come on in. And so Paul and probably whoever was with him, which could have been a good number, came and stayed at her place for over a year, more than likely. That's, not a, that's just not a small thing. I mean, can you imagine having someone come and live at your house for a year? I mean, or more? Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, yeah. After a week, it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been nice. See ya. Peace. Oh, not only that, Paul got thrown in jail. Yeah, he got thrown in jail, so she had a jailbird. You know, I mean, you read the story, he went to jail, and then he came back out, and it's like, wow. But you know that Lydia was, I believe, the first European convert to the gospel. And it's thought that her home became like a home base for sending missions into Europe. So Lydia searched, found the truth, and then, you know, with all she had, she promoted and, and wanted that truth to be, the kingdom of God to be spread. So I just thought that was such a neat deal there. Um, anyways, that's kind of how I've always understood this parable. And I, I think it's right. You know? And if I ever had any doubt, all I had to do was think about, be thou my vision. I think it's the third verse. It says... Uh, Riches I heed not, nor men's empty praise. Thou my inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. So, I mean, I got the psalmist even agreeing with me. Plus, probably a lot of Bible scholars. Anyways, I was at Strawberry Lake... And this gentleman by the name of Bill Vanderbush got up and preached on this verse. And I thought, yeah, well, I know this verse. But he threw a monkey wrench into my interpretation. Can you imagine that? Oh. <laughs> the Passion Translation interprets it much the way that Bill Vanderbush interpreted it. It says, if you look at the, the, the Passion Translation, it actually lists underneath that this is what they, that this is his feeling on it. It says, Heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he, made, he immediately gave up all he had in exchange for it. 
Okay, so on this, this other view, this other, this other look, this other facet, Jesus, we are the pearl and Jesus is the merchant. I mean, it makes perfect sense. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Passion Translation, it says, And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become mere motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equity with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became a human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Okay, so we talk about what we gave up to get this pearl. Now we're looking at what Jesus paid to purchase this pearl. Are you? First off, we know that he emptied himself. He became a man and he came to earth. The king became his servant. He was despised and rejected of men. So uh, Isaiah 53, 3, King James, it says, He is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. This whole concept of God becoming man, it doesn't work in my, I, I, I do not understand it, okay? I don't, I'm not going to pretend to. I'm not going to stand up here and, and, and rattle off, oh yes, God became man incarnation, la la la. I don't get it. All I know is it was a super, how would you say, it was an, an act that it, it just far exceeds my ability to comprehend. And he was willing to leave glory to purchase me on the cross. There's an old song, he left the splendor of heaven knowing his destiny was a lonely hill of Golgotha. There he gave his life for me. So we know that Jesus gave up so much to come to earth. But then above that, he became sin who knew no sin. Sin was foreign to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. So the author of life tasted death for us. He became sin. He dealt with all the consequences of sin in his body. In Matthew 27, we know that he was beaten. He was spit upon. He was shamed. He was ridiculed. He was mocked. He was called a fool. Can you imagine the Son of God being treated like that? I mean, we get upset when a good citizen gets treated like that, but can you imagine the God of the universe being treated like that, willing to pay that price for the pearl? 
And 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, He purchased us with His blood. So we've been redeemed by His blood, not with corruptible silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We can see that Jesus paid the full price for us. You're an extremely valuable pearl. You are. You're not trash. You are God's precious pearl. You are his treasure. Okay? So, looking at this, I saw this incredible contrast. And I realized that what Jesus said in Luke about hating your father and your mother and, and, you know, walking away from your family. He's not asking you to do any more than what he did. In fact, he did more. And so I started kind of toying with this whole thing. You know, whoa. Hello. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> when, when it says that, you know, you, you, you need to walk away from your family, in Matthew 27, 46, it says, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabathia, which is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So basically, the father turned from Jesus. That's a rejection. He faced that. You know that he gave up all of his riches for you. Uh, if we look at uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that he through his poverty might be rich. Hmm. Jesus became utterly destitute on the cross. What we see as true poverty, we don't understand poverty in the West here, by the way. True poverty is no food, no water, and no clothes. If you live in a desert region, you, need, you definitely need water. Water is a valuable commodity, which it would have been in the Middle East. But if you look at the cross, Jesus was stripped of all his clothes. He was thirsty, and he hadn't eaten for, for like, I think it was an extended period of time. I don't want to put hours on it, but enough. He, he was hungry, he was thirsty, and he had no clothes. He became utterly destitute And again, when you think about God, when you think of the, the God of the universe who created everything, putting himself in that position, it's like, whoa. If he asked me to walk away from a job that's not right or 
you know, the security. Uh, I know like these kids that were at Midwest Challenge, mom and dad probably had good businesses. They had to walk away from that. He's not asking you to walk away from anything that he wasn't willing to lay down. Not a thing. Well, but my friends might reject me. Well, Jesus was kind of rejected, big time. And you find out the people that reject you aren't your friends anyways. (laughs) So, you know, the list could go on. But anything that he's asked you to do to purchase the pearl, he has done to purchase the pearl. I thought that was kind of an interesting thought. A concept they saw in the word. You know what? As brilliant as you all are, we still don't get it. Nope. Ephesians 1.18. Just to recap a little bit on the book of Ephesians. Up to the prayer of Ephesians, Paul states that Jesus is our treasure. But in verse 18, there are some people that have taught that we are, God, we are God's treasure. And I'm going to read 118. Again, passion. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. Okay, so flooding our soul, our imagination with his light, the Greek word I believe is photizo, um, we get the word photograph, but they weren't around snapping pictures back in, in that time era. But possibly the best illustration that we could give for the meaning of this word would be, suppose you're out in a very dark countryside, maybe riding your donkey along, and you cannot see You know, the donkey's kind of finding its way home, pitch black, and all of a sudden, kabang, you know, flash of lightning hits. And all of a sudden, you know, it all goes dark again, but you have that image of the trees and stuff around you. Have you ever had that happen? Well, that's kind of the meaning of fatizo. It's like, it's imprinted. We need to ask God to give us a picture of his love for us, of his price he's paid, and his care for us. You know, again, I don't understand it. I'm not going to get up here and say, yes, I get this, you know, I don't. But I know that he cares so much that he's even said in his word, ask that you get illuminated to even understand how much I love you. You are that valuable to me. 
And you are valuable. So your assignment this week is to pray that that picture will be given to your mind's eye. That you will understand and comprehend the love of God for you. And that you move into deep, deep relationship with, you, with him. Um, I did it. I, got, I, I, told, I wanted to get done by quarter after because Americans are kind of weird. We, we, we have like these built-in time structures. And after a certain time, it doesn't matter. We just want to go. <laughs> so... Um, now, we got the beginning, we, we, we started this thing, we got through the middle of it, now we got to end it. So, we're ending it, you got your assignment, if you need prayer, there will be those that will pray with you, um, God bless you, May his face shine on you. He's already shining. I mean, good night. May you recognize that God's face is shining on you. <laughs> we get into these sayings, and it's like, oh, okay. Realize he likes you. You know? The, the thing is, is I remember Christians getting on here on TV. I love you, but I don't like you. It's like, God likes you. He loves you, and he likes you. Kind of hard to split him. He really likes you. He wants to talk to you. So, God bless you. Um, again, if you need prayer, come forward, and I'm going to hand it over to you, Steve. What I'm going to do is um, let's just stay. The word has been brought forth here. Let's just close our eyes, and that's you that are watching by live stream too. But if there's anyone here or watching that has not received Jesus as your Savior, this pearl of great price, know that you are his pearl of great price and that he would do that right now. And then there are, there are others that have slipped in, their Lord, in the Lordship of Christ. Really, it's something that it's a daily thing, but some, maybe the things of this world, the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches or whatever, you know, has pulled you away from that focus, from that intimacy uh, with the Lord, that first love that Dan talked about. And then I invite you to what we're going to do is that, that song that Dean and team had us do that, that so well said it too, but I'm just going to lead us in a simple prayer of giving ourselves to him and confession of him. And you can do this if it's in your heart for the first time or as an affirmation right now. I'll ask you to repeat it. Repeat after me. This may be your day. This is your day. God wants to. There's nothing that's impossible. You're not impossible for God to save. And he wants to, as we say, as we said concerning that. And he can do anything he wants to. He wants to save you. And whatever thing needs to be saved today in your life. 
He wants to. He so desires. He yearns for it. So just repeat this after me if this is in your heart. Father God, I know that I have missed it. I have sinned. I need a Savior. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for me. I believe that he rose from death for me. I am his pearl of great price. And he is mine. So I confess all my sin. I receive forgiveness. I receive your eternal life. I declare Jesus is now my Lord. I am part of your family. Your Holy Spirit lives within me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, if you prayed that from your heart, you meant it, you, you share that with somebody. You confess it to somebody. You tell somebody. If you're here and you've done it, tell somebody before you leave. If you're watching online, you tell somebody today. Or you can let us know about it. We can give you some more things to help you grow in the Lord. But we welcome you to the family of God. Hallelujah. Um, we have coffee time today. It's over by the kitchen area. Some goodies there. Lots of good cookies. And I hear next Sunday, Adana Maria are going to have some... I'm not sure what they're going to have. Something good. So... Let's, and the ushers will release you from the way we're doing it right now during this season. They'll release you from the back rows first. Hallelujah. God bless you all and keep you. Thank you, Dan, for that great teaching there.